and welcome to the final episode of season one of Getting to Know You. Today, it's my pleasure to be joined by Dr. Lawrence Eichenfeld. Dr. Eichenfeld is Chief of Pediatric and Adolescent Dermatology at Rady Children's Hospital in San Diego and Professor of Dermatology and Pediatrics and Vice Chair of the Department of Dermatology at University of California, San Diego School of Medicine. He is board certified in dermatology, pediatric dermatology, and pediatrics. He is a co-founder of PEDRA and has served on both PEDRA's board and executive committee and has been instrumental in the shaping of the network. He's authored countless publications, mentored countless young pediatric dermatologists, and serves on the editorial boards for several journals. He's an expert in atopic dermatitis, acne, psoriasis, and other inflammatory skin conditions. It's an honor to have you with me today, Dr. Eichenfeld. Thanks so much for being here. It's my pleasure to be here. So can you tell me why pediatric dermatology? What led you to the field? Ah, so it's, it's interesting, actually, because in medical school, I didn't do a single day of dermatology, just the way it worked out, uh, though I have a very nice relationship with my uh, uh, alma mater, uh, Mount Sinai, and the dermatology department. Now, I didn't do mm -hmm. a day of dermatology. I had, was interested in sort of everything in medical school, um, but decided I'd go into pediatrics. And I remember sitting with my, my mentor, considering where I might go. And I remember I was actually interested in coming out to, to San Diego, to the West Coast. And my mentor, Kurt Hirschhorn, said, eh, it's too nice out there. You should <laughs> go to Philadelphia where you'll work hard. <laughs> and so intuitively, I went down to Children's Hospital of Philadelphia to do my pediatrics training. And it was during that time that I saw pediatric dermatology as a specialty with Paul Honig, who became my, my mentor. Um, and I, I saw this field that, you know, um, was so important as a specialty in pediatrics. It had the pleasure of having sort of very common conditions as part of it. And you could get this continuity of care of patients, but also the situation where there were incredibly challenging conditions, you know, that were just mm. tremendously impactful to patients. And it also seemed that there was a lot of stuff to be worked out in the field. It was still a relatively young field and lots of questions about what causes diseases and how to uh, manage them that, that would have opportunities to make contributions over time. I love that story. That's great. I love how pediatric dermatology sort of came to you and you were able to see that it's it was the right fit. That's really great. And you you did get into pediatric dermatology when it was a relatively young specialty. So what was that like and how has the field changed? Yeah, so, so, so number one, it's different because there we have steady ways to sort of flows for people to make it into pediatric dermatology. Uh, you know, um, increasingly we have medical students who decide they may want to do pediatric dermatology and they, they have their, their track for doing that. And clearly we have a fellowship. At the time I did it, I had done, I was uh, decided to go into dermatology, decided to do a year of pediatric chief residency before I started my dermatology. Mm. And then they just did a second residency and then went and started a fellowship when I had, you know, moved out to San Diego, but not having done one myself. So the, the pathway of declaring uh, training in, uh, declare a training in pediatric derm has certainly uh, shifted. And also um, the, um, the sort of 
scope of what people did within pediatric dermatology has shifted incredibly. So, so it used to be that there were very few pediatric dermatologists. Uh, people mm -hmm. were either in a practice situation or in situations where they saw really tertiary or quaternary consultations. And um, there was very little procedural pediatric dermatology. You know, when I was in training, my, my, my metropolhonic procedure days would be freezing a few warts or doing skin biopsies. Mm -hmm. and this was happening at the same time that there was this revolution in dermologic surgery and laser that was occurring. And it just seemed that it made sense to take the skill set that, I, that uh, I was being trained in in dermatology and, and use it for for children and, and pediatric germs really change now in that there's a whole procedural component of it. Mm -hmm. And it's a much bigger field. I think um, mm -hmm. one of the nice things about PEDRA is it allows our um, younger um, trainees and people a few years out to get together and hang out because mm -hmm. it's just a much bigger field now. Um, and we, um, one of the nice things about pediatric dermatology is that we're, we're very mutually supportive. We, we, we enjoy each other's company as a, as a rule. And we're dedicated in this field to helping patients and their families. And we always played well together and, and really had great relationships. And I think PEDRA's really helped as the field of pediatric germs gotten bigger. It's helped for people to get those relationships built upon, you know, common uh, desire to do research, but but it's also this personal uh, element that makes it, you know, that much more rewarding to work together to do good things. I, yeah, I definitely feel that. I mean, coming into the network um, as support staff, was, for me, almost five years ago now, um, it's a little intimidating, but then, you know, I got to know everybody really quickly, and it's just a really... Um, great group and everybody is so friendly and so welcoming and so open. And I think that's been the key to so much success within research, just in the, in the short five years that I've been a part of PEDRA. Things Actually, it goes back to the history of the people who started pediatric derm in the United States, because I remember my first meeting, I was not yet in pediatric derm. I was a chief resident of pediatrics. I was just had declared my interest in it. And I went to the Society for Peds Derm meeting and mm -hmm. the founders, who were, they're like the founders, were all incredibly gracious and nice and mm -hmm. warm. And they were incredibly supportive of my development as, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just because they thought it was good to have another person in the field. And I think we, we, we try to keep that same field. People um, really enjoy each other. And, it, uh, um, um, and I, as I said, and enjoy doing the good things that we, good things that we do. Absolutely, and it shows in the work, especially in the research. I mean, I can see the, the projects just really exploding. Um, so talk a little bit about academic medicine. Why research? Yeah, so I think, you know, one of the things I've, I've recognized uh, having done it for a while is that um, I love taking care of patients and I love, and I love practice. But one of the differences being in either in academics or even people in private practice have a research interest is that um, I, Part of my job is to identify what we don't know or what we can do better. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that's different. It's not, you know, I, I always believe it's you want to have, uh, you want best practices. You bring the best way to take care of your patient. But then they're going along with that is like, well, how good is the data mm-hmm. that this medicine works? And, you know, do we really understand the disease and can we do better? There's so many diseases that are so terrible. What can we do? You know, what can we do differently and how can we get insights into treating them? And the explosion of knowledge in the field's just been incredible. And certainly it's going to continue in the next 10 years. We're going to have this revolution of personalized genomic based therapy for our birthmarks and our genetic diseases. And we're going to have continued breakthroughs in our, in our inflammatory skin diseases um, based on just where the, the science goes. But um, for people who are interested in research, it's about asking questions, you know, not just, uh, you know, doing what you were trained to do, but sort of figure out when when we need to do better and what are some of the issues behind uh, our selection of medicines and how can we take new ideas and discoveries and bring them to make our patients and families' lives better. So this seems like the perfect time to talk about the development of PEDRA. How did that happen? Can you talk about the beginning of that process? Yeah, so I think it's a confluence of, of factors and issues, but there is a story like like many things. So my my brother is a pediatric rheumatologist, mm-hmm. another very small field. And um, I happened to be in Dallas giving a lecture and my brother was like a few blocks away at the meeting of CARA. And CARA is the... Basically, it's the Pediatric Rheumatology Research uh, Group. So um, I basically just said, hey, let's, let's, you know, let's get together. So I walked over and, and met him for a drink, met some of his colleagues. But then we were talking about what that meeting, what the meeting was he was at. And the meeting was basically independent of the annual rheumatology association meeting that the pediatric rheumatologists had decided to get together as a consortium to do collaborative research. And I thought to myself, wow, that's interesting. And I know that the rheumatologists, they're not really as mutually supportive as the, as the pediatric dermatologists are. They tend to be more a competitive group. Okay. And yet they have this thing working. You know, I actually was at once at a meeting where someone said, oh, you work with so-and-so. Well, kick her in the knee for me. Oh, no. <laughs> Anyway, so so I, I came back from the meeting and said, you know, this is really this makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Community, um, you know, it's really right as the, as the field's developing to be to do more and more research. So, you know, I got back and thought about it. Picked up the phone, spoke to Amy Power, my you know good friend and uh, uh, someone I thought would be a great leader um, to help bring this to fruition. And then we started to started to. Uh, started to develop it. And it's amazing how in a few years it's grown in the way it's grown. Really rewarding. It's an amazing, inspiring place. I'm, you know, and I'm not even in the thick of the research and I get to watch all of this happening. And it's, I, I am inspired. I, I love Pedra. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also, I mean, it started off, you know, we're, we're the, the idea is that there, um, you know, every center has, has, smart people who can do work and do research, but mm-hmm. it's both um, in collaboration. There's, there's numbers, there's power, 
They're sharing the best ideas. Um, and it's amazing how it's grown the, the amount of research that's being done. And mm -hmm. both research that's being done in individual centers, but then of course the, the uh, collaborative. And I think it's changing the field. We're, we're now regularly putting together um, consensus statements and guidelines or you know, documenting what we need to do to move the field forward in different diseases. Um, so it's been, um, I think it brings a lot of uh, um, energy and creativity. Um, I, I think uh, uh, individuals move things forward, but groups uh, move, move things forward quicker and better. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about um, why inflammatory skin disease was your primary focus? Yeah, well, well first of all, it's so common. I mean, between mm -hmm. acne and atopic dermatitis, atopic dermatitis, where you have 12 to 15% of kids with this tremendous variability. Uh, in acne, it's like 70 to 80% of people have acne <laughs> to some degree. Uh, add to that psoriasis, less common, but incredibly impactful. And um, I, so I, I just found myself in the, in the middle of things. So with eczema, for instance, um, it seemed like pediatric eczema was like a really big deal. The prevalence had increased from five to 15% in the, amongst young oh. children. And it wasn't much like stuff going on in the field. And I was just doing some early stuff with the Academy of Dermatology. And so I spoke to, you know, uh, one of, you know, a, a, a mentor and friend that said, you know, um, it looks like there's a lot, there's a lot of work to do in pediatric atopic dermatitis. How would you like start a consensus meeting or something to define the issues in the field? And they said, oh, just go do that. <laughs> and I was like, really? Yeah, yeah. Academy has people can help you to do that. You just, uh, just declare it. Um, and then we did. And next thing we knew, we had a consensus conference on, on, on eczema. And I was sort of in the, in the midst of the field. And there's obviously differences in different diseases, but there's a commonality of how inflammatory disease uh, impacts the individuals. And certainly it's a family affair uh, to a degree, you know, an atopic dermatitis and patients who are moderate to severe, the impacts incredible. And there's been a lot of accommodation to the mm -hmm. disease where people don't think they can get better. And it's, it's you know, really incredible to see the revolution in therapy we're having now with new topical and systemic agents and increasing research to see we can turn off the disease in early life um, um, you know, and change its course. That's incredible. And I know in addition to your expertise in inflammatory skin diseases, I also know you've done a lot of work in neonatal skin disease. Can you talk about that? And, and has that particular niche changed in terms of research recently as well? So, yeah, you know, we, we built on um, some of the work of our um, of our first leaders in pediatric dermatology. So Nancy Esterly, who trained mm -hmm. so many of our mm -hmm. leaders in pediatric dermatology. So she was a, a leader's leader. And, um, and she has sort of written the first textbook on neonatal dermatology and described so many conditions and, um, and, and so much of um, our more challenging diseases or genetic diseases or birthmarks obviously present in neonates. Mm -hmm. So it seemed like an area that we needed to sort of carve out more time and energy, uh, both in terms of training our, our specialists in, in uh, neonatal conditions and then our 
pediatric colleague, uh, neonatology specialist who take care of the children, but, but uh, we're, we're happy to have more information on the neonatal conditions. And, and this is an area that's, of course, changing incredibly. The whole aspect of procedural pediatric dermatology I already mentioned, but, but, but lasers, uh, port wine uh, birthmarks, mm -hmm. uh, uh, increasing knowledge about Sturge-Weber syndrome, the association of, of vascular birthmarks and, and the insights on hemangiomas, all of that um, came out of a, a recognition that a lot of the stuff starts early and that, that can have a lifetime impact and spending time and energy looking at our very youngest kids. And our youngest kids became even younger to a degree as we've had our advances in neonatology that created a whole set of dermatologic issues in premature infants that needed to be cared for. Well, Dr. Eichenfeld, I feel like I could talk to you for so much more. I, we've just barely scratched the surface, but I wanna be sensitive to time. So before I let you go, is there anything about yourself that you would wanna share with our viewers and listeners, something maybe not everybody knows or a hobby you might have? Well, there, you know, there, uh, while I love my professional career and uh, of friends and colleagues, really throughout the world in pediatric dermatology. This, this other stuff I do. Um, I love, you know, I, I run and run running and, and books on tape um, is something that keeps me rolling. I have to say this has been a, a different thing this year with COVID. I've done a lot of virtual meetings where I, I like listen to like plenary sessions from the AAD while running. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and I have a, uh, I have a love of theater. So, um, oh, cool. Yeah. So, uh, longstanding, one of my dear friends who I grew up with is, was very early on in that field. Um, and um, um, so, he, uh, for years, I used to go see everything on on Broadway with him as he was sort of doing wow. his painting. And he did it professionally, and I, I just uh, uh, both um, myself and family love to. Uh, Love to be up to date on what's new uh, in both uh, our, uh, musical theater and uh, and our and straight plays. Looking forward to the reopening of New York. So yes. Get yes. Or, or, or binge watching, so to speak, in the theater. Well, that's fantastic. Is there a show that is the all-time family favorite in your household? Oh yeah, it's pro you know it's it's gonna be boring, but but Hamilton, you know, we were oh, we yeah. about it early on, and it was uh, and, and so uh, yeah, it's pretty 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 exceptional. Um, um, I mean, there are others as well, but I'd say yeah, Hamilton probably wins. <laughs> I I concur. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Eichenfeld. It has been such a pleasure speaking with you and getting to know you. Thank you, Jenna. My, my, uh, my pleasure. And thank you for all you do for Pedro. Thank you. Thanks so much to Dr. Eichenfeld for joining me today. This was our final episode in season one, but you have the whole summer to go back and listen to all the episodes. We'll be back in September with season two. You can find more of Pedro's podcasts on Apple or Google podcasts. And you can find our education programming at www.pedraresearch.org slash education. Be sure to hop on over to YouTube and subscribe to our channel for more content.